Chip Rogers, thank you. Thank you for joining us. I know you were swamped. I know you're busy. Uh, I know you're constantly traveling. So thank you for coming on. Um, uh, where are you right now? You look like a hotel room. I am in a hotel. It's like a conference workroom uh, at a beautiful hotel in Charleston. The Charleston Place is what it's called. Uh, super nice. Yeah. And you were in Europe. You just got back from London. Is that, did I just got back from London uh, working with our partners at Brand USA, trying to uh, spread the word of how wonderful it is to travel to the United States, spend all your money and stay in, in lovely hotels. Um, and then, um, I don't know, my, my week next week is loaded as well. I'll be in San Diego. I'll be in New York. I'll be in Washington, D.C. Uh, well, on behalf of the industry, thank you for all you're doing. Carrying the flag, championing, getting people to travel. Thank you. <laughs> all right. And, so and doing, doing my part to support the hotel industry individually because I'm in a hotel almost every night. I know. You're like 300 nights a year. Thanks, sir. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate it. All right. Let's dive in. Listen, there's a ton obviously going on in the world. And so we want to get Chip's opinion and what, what you see and how all of this stuff is going to affect us. So uh, listen, uh, start with the... Israel Hamas war like we've all seen these images we've all been affected we all know people who have been affected I mean whether it's friends or employees or partners or clients everybody's getting impacted this is really an emotional toll as much as anything uh so give me your quick 90 seconds on what's happening yeah you well obvious we're all horrified by what we saw and didn't I don't know that we still realize that that type of behavior existed in the world today that that level of evil but yeah. it is a reminder uh, a horrible reminder that it still does. Um, and I think it it has impacted the workplace globally in a, in a very significant way. Even people on my own team seriously troubled by it, myself included. Um, and so just on, on a cerebral level, I, it, it's been very bad for everyone. Um, from a tactical standpoint, though, you can see this thing, uh, particularly if some of the other actors in the Middle East get involved, uh, maybe spreading beyond just what now is the the fight going on in Gaza. Um, let's all hope that doesn't happen. Um, but if you're understanding of what Israel has dealt with uh, in this constant threat of violence, um, you can see where they appear to be quite committed to making sure this doesn't happen again, at least from that particular group. So this may go on longer than we anticipated. It clearly has an impact on world energy prices, which flow through to everything and every pricing structure uh, across the board. So it's having an economic impact. It's having an emotional impact. It's it's, it's a big deal. Uh, what's your sense or what are you hearing about it expanding from the current conflict? I think a lot of it depends on how long it takes. I mean, if you if you even hear the words of some of the Israeli leaders there, they want to make sure that what they're doing puts an end to this threat. You can agree with that or disagree with that, but that's what they're dedicated to doing. And it will take quite some time uh, because this is a little unconventional compared to, to, to most other of these type of activity, uh, these type of actions. And if it takes some time, you know, over time, you're going to have um, people will be unsettled by it. Uh, there will be a certain political bent to it um, that is going to become more increasingly uh, concerning to people who probably at this early stage would give Israel a pass on doing the things that they believe they need to get done. But they may not those that honeymoon period, so to speak, that's probably not a good word to use, won't last forever. And so. Um, it's going to be, a, they're in a tough spot to get done what they need to get done. It's going to take time. Um, 
All right. And, and again, I don't know how it's going to affect global travel uh, to the U.S. and how concerned we should be about that. But that's all stuff we're watching. Yeah. Any, again, anytime there's war, it's it's not helping travel for sure. Um, and, you know, you combine that with the war that's impacting oil prices. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, OK, so let's leave that. Uh, let's go to the again, Pocono, Washington. Right. Uh, your insights. We have no speaker of the House, the U.S., Washington doing what it does best, mucking stuff up, not being helpful. So give us your read there. What are your insights? What are you learning? Well, it's the manifestation of a, of a, of a divided world uh, that is being controlled by the extremes. We're seeing that everywhere. And um, it's it's hard. I, 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 I see it when I talk to my friends that are in Congress. You get in that bubble and you think that everything that you're doing is so incredibly important. And, and I'm not discounting the fact that the work they do is, in fact, important. But virtually every friend that I have or every colleague I have or even people I just randomly know that look at the situation in Congress, they're, they're just so disgusted by the process of both sides of the aisle. Now, in this particular case, Democrats seem more lying. I mean, of course, that's always easier to do when you're in the minority than the majority. Um, but they're more lying around. You know, they have a have a leader and the Republicans don't. And, um, you know, what we're, of course, worried about is the looming government shutdown, because if right. the last speaker got kicked out because he cut a deal on the shutdown to keep the government open, the next speaker, by definition, will eventually have to cut a deal. Right. We can't keep the government closed forever. So if if you get kicked out for cutting a deal, how does the next speaker, are you just going to keep going through speaker? After, I mean, I, I don't see where there's an end in sight. Uh, agreed. So what does that mean? I mean, I've, I think the likelihood of a government shutdown is, is very high. Because uh, th this process is taking a while, Teague, and, and you know, you're going to get the new speaker in, and he or she is going to preside for a very short period of time and be faced with the shutdown deadline again, because remember, it was only a 45 day extension. And I guess we're a good 15 to 20 days into it already. All right. So when so what is the government shut? I agree with that, all that sentiment. So my question, my concern, what does the government shutdown mean for our industry? Well, it hurts travel quite a bit uh, because, you know, it starts impacting what's going on at the airport. Uh, it clearly impacts what's going on at anything, any type of national park. Um, and so. And, and it creates a level of unease for people, um, even economically, and and that's never good for for encouraging travel. And so, uh, it's it's just bad news. And look, you you got to come to an agreement eventually. Now I understand that politicians use this, um, having, or actually as a recovered politician, people use it all the time. You use deadlines to get what you want. Who's going to blink first? The problem is, is in this case, it's the American people who are going to suffer. I mean. You, you know you have to cut a deal, so don't wait to the very end to cut it. Like, get it done now. Um, yeah, amen. But it doesn't, I agree with you, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen. So what else? And I and I, I just am thinking details. I don't know if it's per diems. Uh, I don't know if there's SBA stuff to get shut, loans to get shut down. Like, give me some other things that are details. Well, look, there's a lot of other things happening in the federal government that are not happening on the congressional level. They're happening through the administration. This Department of Labor, um, as was promised, I, I remind people, it wasn't uh, the president didn't su surprise us by being the most pro-labor president in history. He told us that was exactly what he was going to do. And this Department of Labor is following through with it uh, really at every level. And so, you know, whether it's the overtime rule that, that just came out that we're fighting, it's, it's still the comment period, uh, but it took them 
two years to come up with it. They're not probably going to change it based on the comments. Uh, but the comments do set forth a platform for filing a lawsuit. And uh, and that's what will happen if this goes forward. And so that overtime rule of adjusting it from 35,000 up to roughly 60,000 starting next year, uh, it will have a dramatic impact on the industry. I mean, think about all the hotel employees that are salaried across the country that make less than $60,000. And the new employees coming in will not be offered full-time salaried work. They're going to be offered hourly work, but that's not good for anybody. And so this is this is not going to play well. Um, we're hoping that the legal strategy that we and many others uh, will jointly employ can put a stop to it. Um, it is, again, a reminder, um, because we have this discussion often, Teague, about government's involvement with business. This is a perfect example of how, why government shouldn't be involved in business. Because businesses, particularly around labor and compensation, you plan for this stuff years in advance to just all of a sudden come in and say, we're going to raise the overtime threshold from 35000 to 60000 and it starts January 1st, 2024. Businesses haven't been able to plan for that. And and uh, yet again, we're going to see that disruption in the marketplace. You think that gets passed? Well, I mean, it's, it's the administration, so they can do it. Uh, the question is, Will the court uphold it? Um, we think there are solid legal grounds to not do that. Um, but courts have made bad decisions before, so we'll see. So, part of ignorance, this is not something that's going to get voted on. It's going to be an executive order or something and gets pushed through. Yeah, it's already a rule that has been released by the U.S. Department of Labor. Uh, once they release a rule like this, they have a comment period to give people an opportunity to react to it. Rarely does anything change during that comment period. We, we hope they change it. I mean, at a minimum, we think that they should extend the period of when this actually phases in. But um, whether they do or they don't, there'll probably be a legal challenge to it. Okay. All right. That makes sense. All right. Let's go to the other things you're fighting for us for. Uh, the New Jersey franchise bill is the one that scares me the most. So tell me what's the latest with that. So New Jersey's in a, in, in a unique situation right now. They have elections coming up in November. They're one of the couple of states that do these off-year elections. Uh, I think Louisiana does them as well, maybe Virginia. And um, so they're they're actually going to be uh, they're out campaigning right now. So nothing is really happening at this moment. After the election in November, they will come back for a lame duck session, which means those lawmakers that were already in office will continue to be able to legislate up until a certain point, And then the new assembly will, will uh, take their seats in January. And so it's that lame duck session is where we believe uh, there's a possibility to take action on the franchise legislation uh, that would impact hotels specifically. And just for all of us, give me the background on that piece of legislation. Well, it, it's really an attempt to change the model of franchising for um, for hotels and hotels only. The bill specifically is hotels, doesn't impact any other franchise. Um, and it does a, a long list of things that, that we think uh, is not well thought out. Uh, we think that these type of disagreements should be negotiated between the two parties to a contract. And that's really what we're talking about here is a contract. Um, and, you know, there's, first of all, in the hotel industry, if you don't want to be a branded hotel, you can be independent. There's tens of thousands or 10,000 or more independent hotels in the U.S. Second, if you do want to be a branded hotel, there are dozens and dozens of brands from which you can choose. And some of them have the things you may like. Others may have other things you like. You get to choose. It's a marketplace, a very healthy marketplace. Um, but to have the state government step in and dictate the rules of that agreement in a in a fairly lopsided manner uh, is really going to hurt hoteliers across the state of New Jersey and unfortunately might set a precedent for other states. Uh, franchising has come under attack 
labor unions do not like franchising. Uh, so they are certainly pushing against uh, against just the, the whole model of franchising uh, because they don't like individual business units like that. They like giant corporate uh, entities that they can take over and unionize all at once. And so um, this bill does a, a number of bad things that are not good for the industry. And, you know, I want to be crystal clear here. Um, our chair is a hotel owner, our immediate past chair, hotel owners. Almost a third of our board are hotel owners. Our board, our chairs, our the folks that are leading our industry who are owners are dead set against this legislation. So when some will suggest this is a battle between the franchisor and the franchisee, that is not the case. I can give you a lot of franchisees who own a lot of hotels who want no part of this. All right. That's uh, interesting. Thank you for sharing that. And a little scary. Um, yes. All right, the other crazy one in my head, and then I'll let you bring up others. But go to the California, what I'm going to call sort of the housing bill, where they want you to put the homeless people next to guests. Let's discuss that one. Yeah, there's a lot going on in California. There always is. Uh, we spend um, time working in all 50 states and, of course, the federal government. But um, an outsized portion of our time is spent uh, working in California. So the proposal, uh, and it's important to people to understand this, the way it works in, in California, if you want to put a question on a local ballot, you just need to get enough signatures. And if it's a, a question that pertains to the city, it would first go to the city council. And that's what uh, Unite Here, the local hotel union, did in the city of Los Angeles. They gathered enough signatures. They took it to the city council. City council had uh, a choice. They could either pass it and make it become law immediately or they could put it on the ballot and let the voters decide. They could not defeat it. They could not amend it. So once the signatures were there, it was going to be voted on either by the city council or by the, the residents of the city of Los Angeles. And this particular bill uh, resolution does a number of things. Uh, the one that we're focusing on that you referenced a moment ago would put uh, homeless people inside of hotels right alongside of paying guests. And so the way that it is written in the language of the legislation is that if passed, at two o'clock every day, every hotel in the city of Los Angeles would be required to um, call City Hall, let them know how many open rooms they have and what their daily rate is at that time. The city would then create vouchers that it would then give to homeless people. Homeless people would take those vouchers and go check into the hotel of their choice. And then the city would reimburse the hotel for whatever that voucher was. Um, you can see all sorts of problems here, just starting with calling City Hall at two o'clock every day. That's not going to turn out well. Uh, you also have to recognize that these vouchers will quickly be turned into street currency. Uh, you know, I can go probably get 50 cents on the dollar a voucher to go to a nice hotel. I mean, it, this is not going to work out well. But the thing that we're most concerned about is a population that even by uh, there was a great Stanford University research project done on this. A quarter to 30 percent have chemical dependency. A quarter to 30 percent have mental illnesses. You're putting a population inside of a hotel next to paying guests alongside them, not just in the rooms, but in the lobby and the gym and the, at the pool. But what we're most concerned about are the hotel employees who have to work in that environment and are not properly trained to deal with an interaction with these type guests. It's just not going to work out. It's very dangerous. Um, we are appalled that Unite Here would put their own union members in harm's way, but that is exactly what they're doing. What What is in it for Unite Here? Why, why would they be the ones championing this? Still don't know. I mean, they're the ones that spent all the money to gather the signatures. Um, maybe they think by putting a homeless in every hotel room, that means there are more rooms to clean and there will be more uh, hotel jobs related to that. 
Well, every hotel in Los Angeles I'm aware of right now is already still hiring, so that doesn't seem to be a problem. Uh, I think the larger problem, we surveyed this. We commissioned a poll that went out and asked travelers across the U.S., you know, what do you think about this? 72% of them said they would not book a room in Los Angeles if this happens. Uh, and for those people that had already visited Los Angeles that might be coming back, that number is even higher, close to 80%. So it will have a devastating and chilling effect on hotel occupancy in the city of Los Angeles. So those jobs that they may be thinking are going to be created because of this, they just won't be there because hotels will start shutting down. Yeah, it's going to go the other way. Yeah. For uh, sure. Okay, crazy. All right, give me give me the other important topics that you guys are working on. What other bills we should we be watching out for? Uh, well, there's other ballot measures in California. There's another city in California right now that is proposing a $30 minimum wage only for hotel workers, uh, a mandate that hotel um, that you can't clean more than 3,500 square feet in a day, uh, that every room must be cleaned every day, and that uh, you can't hire outside contract labor. And so you see the scenario that's being set up there is that you can only clean a certain amount and then you get double time. But if the hotel, at, once you reach that limit, wanted to let you go for the day, they can't go get contract labor. And then they're required to clean every room. Therefore, they have to pay you double time, which is $60 an hour. And as you you know, take that doesn't uh, that doesn't pencil out in the nicest hotels, much less a standard hotel uh, anywhere. And so that's not going to work. But uh, Unite Here is out gathering signatures to put that on the ballot as well. So there's a lot of stuff happening. Um, we uh, just have some really good news about some uh, the possibility there being additional H-2B visas headed our way, which are, of course, temporary workers uh, that uh, our industry relies on heavily uh, for uh, in both winter and summer seasons. Um, we're still working legislation that would allow asylum seekers, to legal asylum seekers, people that come through a legal port of entry, uh, to begin filing for the opportunity to work in the U.S., not after six months, but after 30 days to give them a chance to start working all those unfilled jobs. I, I remind people, there's still about 4 million unfilled jobs in the U.S. right now today. Many of them are in our industry, hundreds of thousands. Uh, that has been a problem for going on multiple years. So it's not going to just happen overnight that everyone is going to, I mean, even if everyone who's looking for work started working, you can still have millions of unfilled jobs. Yeah, anything else? I got a few suggestions when you're ready. <laughs> Those are the big ones that, you know, we we do like to talk about some success. Uh, the city yeah, of New please. York finally became the first major city uh, in the U.S. to really clamp down on illegal short-term rentals. And we've seen a significant change in the marketplace there uh, where consumers uh, can now go to legal short-term rentals or they can go to legal hotels, uh, but you can't go to illegal short-term rentals. And that's that's making a big difference in New York. And we think that a marketplace where everyone plays by the exact same rules is a healthy competition that should be encouraged. A marketplace where one group of competitors plays by a completely different set of rules is not a healthy place and should not be encouraged. So we, we applaud the people in New York, uh, the leadership there to make sure that that got done. Uh, you know, we really got to start worrying about the, ta the tax cut. Uh, some of these tax cuts that passed a few years ago are going to start expiring over the next couple of years. That's not good. And so um, there's just not a lot of good policy news out there, I'm, I'm, I hate to say. How, how does how does that get reversed? Elections matter. <laughs> I, you know, I, I it, it sounds so simple, but um, detach yourself from an emotional response to the person that you want to vote for and look at logically what is their stance on the issues that are going to impact your job, impact the jobs of people around you, impact your personal security. I mean, those are the things you really need to look at. 
uh, and not just get caught up in the emotional response to somebody that you like or don't like, or some other politicians said they like them or don't like them. You know, you really need to to shed yourself of of of, of looking at elections in that way and, and start making better decisions. I mean, you know, I, I I'll just say it. I mean, we had a, a great opportunity in the city of Chicago not too long ago to elect a more reasonable mayor, and the people of Chicago went the went the other direction. I mean, this guy is blaming car manufacturers for getting their cars broken into. Uh, I mean, that's. I, I, when you elect people like that, you can't expect good, reasonable things to happen. All right. I mean, you know, I, I guess we should, I should know we were going to get into politics, but uh, next year is the election year. So we're going to, we'll have you back and we'll get into all the details next year of what we should be paying attention to. Well, there's always an election around the corner. Um, That's and true. whether it's federal level or at state and local level, there's, there's always something. And just, uh, you know, just constant reminder, it's not about Republican, Democrat, left, right. It's about voting in competent people. You know, we do a lot of work with a group in San Francisco trying to get that city turned around. And I remind people, the last elected Republican on this Board of Supervisors in San Francisco left office in 1974. And so you're not getting a Republican elected if that's your political bent. What you're choosing between are is someone who's competent and someone who is a, a extreme activist. And I just think we should elect competent people, no matter what party they're in. We should elect competent people that know how to manage a budget. Hopefully, they've worked in the private sector at some point, understand that businesses are not evil. In fact, they're inherently good, and that we should be supporting healthy job creation. All right. Tell me, where are you off to next? What, what what big travel? What big event you got to hit? Well, I will be in Phoenix over the weekend, back in New York and Washington, D.C. early next week, and then the following weekend in San Diego. So, uh crisscrossing the country again you are all over the place uh thank you yeah. for what you do for our industry thank you for your time i know you're busy again always traveling but we i need a quick update as to what was happening so thank, thank you, you yeah we'll see each other soon thanks chip you're the man thanks all right Bye.